All right, all right. Welcome to the show. My name is Danny, and I am the host of the Tongues of Fire podcast, where we're going to take a look at the Word of God and see how to apply it to the lives of the youth of the modern day. So without any further delay, let's get into the topic of today's episode. So today I really wanted to address what happens and what we should do, what we should be thinking when we go out and preach the gospel to people out in the world. Because I know in the last episode I talked about how preaching the gospel and spreading the word of Jesus and making disciples was the call that God has on all of our lives. And not just that, but how to discern, you know, how to really meditate on what God wants you personally to be doing. Because preaching the gospel is something that all of us should do. That's something that is just, when you become a believer, when you become changed, that's by default the next step. You know, your journey doesn't end with you accepting Christ. It actually begins with you accepting Christ. And from there, you become a preacher, you become a worshiper, you become whatever God has in store for you because you have accepted His plan and His terms when you accept Christ into your heart. And uh, I want to get something out of the way real quick. Uh, I am not here to be preaching at you or to be condemning you or anything because a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about today is stuff that I'm still working on. And it's not me kind of talking down on you and, te- and trying to teach you. It's more us learning together. Um because I am, I've learned a lot from studying for this episode. And I'm still continuing to learn as I'm going to be talking about this. So there's we're all in the same space because we're all going through these things together. We're all still finding our footing in our belief. We're all still finding our footing in who are, we're supposed to be. Um, now, I don't think we're ever going to really see the full the full picture of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing until... You know, we're caught up in the air and Jesus with Jesus in heaven and he we get to see our whole lives laid out and what it was all for. Um, so the pa- the the scripture that I wanna look at today is first Corinthians. Um, we're just gonna kinda be jumping around. But what's happening here in this part of the text is it's uh the Apostle Paul and he is writing letters to the church. Uh the churches are um around the world kind of really pointing things out and putting things into perspective of uh, what they can be doing better for Christ and what they're doing good in Christ already. Can you, because when you confront somebody about their walk in Christ, you should, it, it shouldn't always be purely just condemnation, just, oh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Because I don't think a lot of us would have turned to Christ or you know, really started following Jesus if the whole message was just, you're doing wrong, you're doing bad, and you need to do better, you need to be better. Um, But what I want to look at here is, you know, in the beginning, something that jumps out at me here is in 1 Corinthians 1.10, where he says, Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. Right out of the gate, Paul's already preaching and teaching about the importance of unity with one another, the importance of coming together in Jesus' name and being able to 
go about his business as one because we are the body of Christ and I don't think your hand is going to try separating from the rest of your body because it doesn't agree. I don't, I don't think that your foot is going to disagree with you know, your eyebrow and suddenly want to start leaving the body of Christ because that's just not how it works. You know, we should all be operating in one mind, one body within the will of God. And that involves swallowing your pride sometimes. There are some things that your brothers and sisters are going to say that this is going to rub you the wrong way. That's just the truth. That's just the reality of it. And I've experienced it even on the mission field where people have said some things, people have given instructions that I personally don't agree with, but it's about knowing your mission and knowing that I'm not here for me. I'm here for God. I'm here for the gospel because I live for him. It's a surrender of self when you swallow your pride and you know are able to be like, okay, you know what, I don't agree with this. I may not like it, but I'm going to get this done in the name of Jesus because it's what needs to be done for his kingdom right now. And uh, division is a really, really nasty thing that has been coming up a lot in the body of Christ. You know, not even in just, you know, personal churches, just in the big C church in general, there is such a division that's happening right now because different people have different beliefs and different convictions and different uh, ways of viewing the world and different ways of viewing uh, situations and problems and different ways of viewing sin. You know, there's there's so many people that have been divided amongst themselves in the body of Christ because they choose to view some things as sin and some things as not. And I just want to say that sin is sin. You know, public or not, it's sin is just sin. There's no way, uh, other way about it. Because as soon as you have to justify something, then I think you know something's up. As soon as you have to try to find an argument and an excuse for something, I think that's where you realize that you, there's a problem there. And um, uh, God... God has chosen us to be set apart and God has chosen us to be different and he and that that comes with its own thing where we are viewed differently and what happens in our groups and our situations gets pointed out more because we're called to the truth and people don't always like the truth. I know that at times I don't like the truth, you know, but it's because we have the truth and the light in us that what we do shines brighter than what most of the world does because there is division in some worldly groups. There are people that would have different ideals and different opinions that fight amongst themselves, but you don't really see that as much as you see the church fighting amongst themselves. Why? Because that's what's chosen to be called out more, especially in this generation where we're not godless we're anti-god you know we're not bible-less because we have more bibles than ever before we're anti-scripture in today's world so i don't think that that's something that we should be treating very lightly um 
but some encouragement that I find here in uh, still in First Corinthians and uh, verse 27. I'm kind of going halfway through the verse, but it says, God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. And what he's saying here is that Christians, Christ followers and believers are viewed often with a very bad stigma surrounding them. That's just the truth. And I know if you know anything about Jesus and all that, then I think you know that's the truth too. And not going to lie, it can get you weak. It can beat you down. It can make you feel small. It can get you to that place. I know that for sure. But God has chosen the weak. What, and he's chosen the the small. He's chosen that what is viewed as insignificant to really come against what this world views as strong. Because we have something that world leaders most world leaders anyway don't have we have something that most politicians don't have we have something that most millionaires and billionaires don't have we have life and life abundantly we have hope and hope abundantly we have joy and joy abundantly and you could be the richest person in the world you can have the most power the most money the most fame but you'll always be lacking that sense of joy that sense of hope that sense of peace that comes with the gospel that comes with the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, and that's something that we should be sharing because I know that the biggest problem, the, well, not the biggest, but a big problem that a lot of people see with the way that the world is built is that the rich are glorified, the powerful are glorified, and the poor are left to rot. You know, the small are left to rot, the weak are left to rot. And something that people are always saying is, why don't we? Why don't they just share? Why don't they distribute? Why don't we all get treated the same way as human beings? And if we can think that way about earthly possessions, you know, we can think that way about, you know, money and we can think that way about resources. Why don't we think that way about the gospel? If you really think about it in reality, in Christ, you are among the richest people on the planet because of the treasure of Christ that is in you and we're doing the same thing that these millionaires and billionaires are doing if we don't share that with the meek and the poor and you know the quote-unquote insignificant of the world we go around criticizing these people for not sharing what they have for not distributing the power and the wealth when most of the church does the same thing with something that's far more valuable and far more important to be frank and that that's something that should be shared that's something that should be distributed more than anything else i think if it were up to me in that situation i would choose the gospel i would choose to share the gospel than i would to share my money or my food or anything like that because the gospel is what need what's needed you know Peter even says it himself when he talks to the beggar at the gate where he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you, and I give you the name of Jesus. Now go and walk. And in that moment right there, he's giving all that he has in Christ. He's giving the hope of Christ. He's giving the love of Christ, but he's also giving the power of Christ so that he may walk again. And... I think the biggest thing surrounding this, and this was kind of the main point that I wanted to get to, 
is that when we start talking about sharing the gospel, when we start talking about preaching to other people, there suddenly becomes this, ooh, I don't, I can't talk. Ooh, I don't, I want to be able to do the, the gospel justice. And I don't think I can with the way that I'm educated. Ooh, I don't think I can talk to these people. Ooh, there's a language barrier. Ooh, there's so-and-so and this and that and blah, blah, blah. We come up with so many excuses to not share the gospel. Um, and something that I'm going to say is that God doesn't need you to speak for him. God needs to speak through you to them, but he doesn't need you to speak for him. Uh, you know, it says right here in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 4, that my speech and my pro proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith may not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. It doesn't matter how eloquently or how beautifully you can weave words together. You don't have to be God's salesman. I think that a big misconception that we have is that when we go out and preach the gospel, that we're trying to sell Christ to these people. We're trying to convince them that Christ is worth it. When in all reality, God doesn't need our help for that. We don't need to sugarcoat God. We don't need to sugarcoat the power of Jesus. We give it straight as is because that alone is wonderful enough. And preaching the gospel is something that we can't do without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We can't do that on our own. And I I came to this realization this past week where my church went on a mission trip to uh, Tijuana. And I, I don't speak a lick of Spanish. Like... I can't even order food at like a Mexican restaurant because I speak no Spanish whatsoever. It's frankly kind of embarrassing. And here I am with like no Spanish on my tongue going on this missions trip to Mexico. And I'm there thinking, what am I going to do? Like there is no way that I'm going to be of any use to the kingdom here because there's this language barrier. How can I, preach the gospel to someone who doesn't understand what's being said. And I wasn't the only one in that boat. There were plenty of people that went that didn't speak Spanish. But when the time of the, the, the main event of the mission came and these people were able to let go because they were so enraptured and engulfed in the power of the Holy Spirit in the moment that the language barrier didn't matter. Like our head pastor doesn't speak Spanish. And he was out there preaching the gospel and healing people and praying for people and having people and like people were converted because of this, just the guidance of the Holy Spirit. His, the way he spoke didn't matter in that moment. The way that he presented it didn't matter in the moment because even if it, he was speaking with the most beautiful tone of voice and even if he was speaking with the, the single greatest speech that had ever been spoken in the history of the universe, they wouldn't have understand what he was saying anyway. It was just through the sheer power of the Holy Spirit, through the sheer power of Jesus, that the gospel was able to be shared with these people. And I think that's beautiful because it takes the responsibility of the moment into off of our hands and into the hands of God. So that he should be glorified through us preaching the gospel. Because we can't do it without him. 
we can't do it without him and we're doing it for him. So I think that in itself just points all the glory back to God, which is what it should be in the first place. And uh, another thing that really discourages a lot of people from preaching the gospel is when they they pray for people or when they introduce Jesus to someone and they don't see a change right in front of their eyes. And uh, it's funny because Paul actually in the next chapter over addresses this where it says where he says in First Corinthians three. Uh, verse 6 I planted Apollos watered but God gave the growth you are not called to single handedly save people from the pits of hell and bring him into the light we are called to share the word share the hope share the love of God because if we were single handedly you know taking people out from the pit by ourselves Glory would go to us, and that's not the point. That's really not the point. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that, you know, he starts that this section of what he's talking about where he s- starts questioning. He says, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. You could be the water. You could be the seed planter. You could be, you know, the little extra heat that they needed in the moment to be completely melt down and surrender to Jesus. You could be any of these given things. But God is the only one who's really the one who says what is and what goes. You know, don't be discouraged if you don't see a transformation right in front of your eyes because you could just be the person that plants the seed. And someone else down the line could be the person that waters the seed. That really confirms to them, oh, this is something worth following. Oh, this is something that I need. And then further down the line, God hits them with his holy light and grows them and matures them into accepting his plan and accepting who God has called them to be. And it's very easy to start comparing yourself to other people saying oh why did this person you know see this transformation right in front of their eyes and i i preached the gospel and they just went about their day or why did this person see a healing and i you know just didn't you know and i think that spirit of comparison feeds into that spirit of division that i was talking about earlier because then you start harboring jealousy you start harboring insecurity you start harboring that shallow resentment towards going and preaching the gospel with other people because you're there comparing yourself to them when you should be just on your path that god has put you through talking to the people that god has put you to talk to because god has assigned each and every one of us souls to save and jewels for the crown our crowns in the kingdom don't worry about everything else don't worry about anyone else you know how they're preaching how they're healing how they're going about the lord's business because that's what they're doing they're going about the lord's business and that's what you should be doing too you know it's he even says it here in uh first corinthians 3 9 for we are god's co-workers you are god's field god's building according 
to God's grace that was given to me. I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. We are called to work in unity and work together to bring people to Christ. Together. You know, it's not all about you. It's not all about the person to your right. It's not all about the person to your left. Because the saying is true. Rome wasn't built in a day. But I think adding on top of that, Rome wasn't built by one man. And it's very easy to fall into that that kind of superhero complex where it's just, I, it's my responsibility. It's all me. And if they don't get saved by, you know, me preaching alone, then I failed the kingdom. Then I, 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 I'm like not worthy if this person hasn't been saved by the time I talk to them. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not holy enough of this person isn't saved by the time this conversation finishes. That's simply just not true. That's not true. That's actually a lie from the enemy. Because you doing what God has called you to do, I think, is one of the most pure and holy things that you could be doing. Preaching the gospel with the correct intentions. With the intentions of, this is what God has called me to do, so I'm going to go do it. And, uh, I think we as a church have tried taking the responsibility off of God's shoulders and onto ours. And I don't think we realize yet how self-defeating that can be. Because we're not strong enough to take the burdens that are on the shoulders of the most powerful being ever. If they're God's burdens, if they're God's responsibilities, and we're just man, we shouldn't be taking them. Now, that doesn't mean don't be burdened for souls, because the Lord calls us to be burdened for souls. And my God, I pray that you guys get a heavy, heavy burden for souls, because that is just true yearning. That is true passion for God, crying out weeping you know travailing for souls out there because we are experiencing a worldwide Sodom and Gomorrah in today's day and age and we're in the middle of it we really are in the middle of it and we can't you can't save somebody that you don't care about you know if you if you see someone falling off the side of a boat and you don't care, you're not going to be the one to jump in to save them. So I pray that you start caring about your brothers and sisters that are lost. That we start really loving one another the way the Lord has called us to love one another. Um, because in doing that, we really take another step forward into the ultimate goal which is to look like christ to walk like christ to act like christ that's the goal that's what we should be striving for to be as christ-like as possible and i think everything else falls into that once you get to that place where you become christ-like because what did christ do christ preached the gospel christ preached salvation christ preached heaven and hell Christ did miracles, Christ prayed, Christ 
wept, you know? And I think that once we strive to look like Christ, all those things fall into line for us. You know, once you start imitating something, those habits start to become a part of who you are. You know, I don't know if I'm the only one that's done this where you you see somebody do something and you think, oh, I want to do that. And suddenly that thing becomes just part of your walk and your talk. You know, you, you see someone say something that you like and you think that sounds cool, it sounds funny, and it becomes part of the way that you talk. It becomes part of your language. And I think we should do that with the Word of God and we should do that with the will of God where we, we look at it and we think, I want that. And it becomes part of our walk and our talk and our language. So basically, what I'm trying to say is we can't do this alone. We got to do it together. Not just with one another, but with the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord doesn't need a salesman. The Lord doesn't need a lawyer. The Lord doesn't need an advocate. He just needs someone that's willing to take that first step towards the person so that he can take over and use the vessel. It doesn't matter how eloquently you speak. It doesn't matter how long the conversation is. And that bleeds into your prayer life too. You don't have to pray eloquently. You don't have to pray for for hours and hours and hours. But if you can, if you can pray for hours, if you can spend that much time with Jesus, then do it because that's so beautiful. But I think the misconception is that we have to be stuck in the room crying for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours for us to be holy and for us to be right with God. And that's not true. God just wants to spend time with you. God just wants to spend time with his child. And... We can't do anything without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything alone without one another. Because we are a body. We are a body. We're building the the bride of Jesus as we preach. And I want... My, my final thoughts here is just that we can't be entertaining a spirit of division. We can't be entertaining a spirit of gossip and insecurity and anger, resentment, jealousy, all that, because all that feeds into us, you know, growing a disdain for one another that shouldn't be there. Because we're all working together for the same thing. When you start looking at the big picture and start thinking about the fact that all of us are working towards the same goal, all of us serve the same master, all of us are attempting to look like the same person all of us are trying to you know be right in god's eyes all of us are essentially doing the same things it starts to become trivial and small why we divide amongst ourselves like so much you know the hand doesn't rebel against the eye and the foot doesn't rebel against the nose At least I hope yours doesn't. I hope the body of Christ doesn't either. At least I hope it doesn't anymore. 
we're so quick to be at each other's throats that we spend more time fighting and hating one another than we do loving the people that need it. And I think that's something that all of us can work on. You could be a believer for years, and that's still something that is a struggle. And that's still something that is hard to do. But I'm going to end with this. That because we can't do this alone, you're not alone. You always have the Lord Jesus with you and in you, working through you and working in you. We also have a community of people that all want the same thing for the world. Christ didn't die for the church. Christ died for the world. And the sooner that we all see that, the sooner the easier it gets to love one another. And you're not by yourself in this. You're not the sole Superman that has to go preach the gospel to the whole world single-handedly. You have the rest of the body of Christ to help you. And if you haven't found that yet, you're going to find that soon. Because we're entering a day and age where the body realizes that we need to start waking up. Because look around, look at what's happening. We can't be playing anymore. And I know for a fact that we're starting to realize this. We're starting to wake up. But just not fast enough. We're not waking up fast enough. But if you don't have that community yet, you you will. You will soon. Because there's an increase in bounty out there. So with an increase in bounty comes an increase in workers. More people willing to do what needs to be done. So I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna pray us out uh, of this episode, and really, I really want wherever you're at us to come together in a spirit of unity. You know, you may not know me, I may not know you, but we still are desiring and yearning for the same thing. You know, whether it be at your school or on the street or at the supermarket, we're all playing the same mission field. It's this ball of rock that we live on with so many lights that haven't been turned on because these souls haven't been awakened. So, Father God, right now, I pray that me and my brother or sister that's on the other end of this, that you give us that desire, that fire, that burning passion for souls that you have, God, that you have us travail, that you have us preach, and that you speak through us. You don't have us speak for you, God, because you don't need that, God. And Father, I pray that you give us the boldness and the strength to be able to go out to the world, go out to the nations, and spread your love, spread your joy, spread your peace, God. So that you may not have to spread your wrath on these people. Lord, I pray blessings. I pray favor and joy and hope abundantly. 
over all that have been put into my path because of this guy. All that have been put into my path because of this podcast. All that have been put into my path because of preaching just blessings and love and hope abundantly, God. Turn us into missionaries wherever we're at. Make us look more like Jesus. And in Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. And uh, hopefully I'll see you a little bit sooner than the time between this one and the last one. Catch you guys on the next one. Go preach the gospel, world changers.